a lot of people think this is who I am. This is what I do. I can't change. I'm old. You can't teach a dog new tricks. Obviously, it's much easier to change when you're six years old, but you can dig new neural pathways if you want to, regardless of your age. It takes work and you have to really do it on purpose, but it is absolutely possible. Welcome back to another episode of Going There with Life Coach, Jen Burtonin. Going There is a show where no topic is off limits and no story too much. Each week features real, honest, unfiltered, and oftentimes hilarious conversations about all the things that make us, break us, and shape us, shared in the spirit that healing is possible. Side note, this is an adult show with adult language about adult topics, probably not the best to play in front of the kiddos. And where possible, I will provide content warnings in case a topic is especially sticky for you and you'd rather avoid. For more information, head over to goingtherewithjen.com. And now on to the show. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is none other than Sarah Von Bargen of the Yes and Yes blog. And she has been blogging since 2008 and has a lot to share with us around that today. So welcome, Sarah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'd love to have you tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive in. Well, my elevator pitch, uh, what I you know say to strangers is that I am a writer, educator, and coach who helps people spend their time, money, and energy on purpose. How long did it take you to come up with that? I've been saying that probably for the last two years. It took a while to sort of find a way to talk about, because the work I talk about, I teach and coach and write generally around the topics of habits, goals, money advocating for yourself, being willing to get uncomfortable. It took me a while to figure out how I could say that in like two concise sentences that made sense to everybody. But ultimately it comes down to spending your time, money, and energy on purpose. Because I found when I was teaching about money, so much of it came down to like, okay, so why are you working so hard to make more money? Like what goals are you going after? And are they actually the right ones? Are you doing it on purpose? Do you have good habits around your money? And developing good habits and breaking bad habits, the skills we use to do that apply to pretty much all habits. And so it sort of went from there. And after a lot of thinking about it, that is my pithy two sentence synopsis of what I do. I love it. I asked because I'm so like, I have mine, but it just does not roll off my tongue like yours does. I can tell you practiced it and said it a number of times. And you have a very active Facebook group. I think it's called Money and Happy. Is that correct? Okay, we'll have that in the show notes, but I'm a member of it and I know a number of my friends are. And there's just always such great wisdom that's flowing through there and questions and and what have you. Do you enjoy running that? Oh yeah, it's lovely. And and I mean, the people in there are so smart and so helpful. I mean, 90% of the time somebody asks a question and everybody answers it. And I'm like, well, I have nothing to add. It's so sweet. The people are so supportive and smart and helpful. And I think part of that is I've worked really hard to create a community online full of wonderful people. And also I make people answer three questions before they can get into the group, which removes a lot of the nonsense. Because if you don't answer the questions, you're not getting in. You're not getting in if you're too lazy to answer the questions. Yeah, you don't really want to be there. So with that, you said something to me, and this is kind of where I want to dive in, is that you started your online career again in 2008 because you were broke as a joke. (laughs) And I just, I'm like, hey, that's a funny saying. I've never heard that before. But yeah, why don't you fill us in a little bit on how you got started? And I think especially now during COVID-19, during the pandemic, when people are losing their jobs, they're furloughed, 
many of us are thinking like, what else could we be doing with our time to make money, etc. So I think this is a perfect topic for right now. I should say like when I started my blog, I mean, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, oh, it'd be cool if this became a job. But I was not like, I did not start it as a money making thing. It was a lot of it was I needed a creative outlet. And I also was going through a really, really hard time in my life of having the experience I think so many people have had and probably are having right now of I did everything right. I followed all the rules. I did everything right that I was supposed to. And yet here I am with $50,000 worth of debt, of school debt, making $16 an hour with a master's degree. It was 2008, so it was the beginning of the recession. I was in like a, you know, like a fine romantic relationship, but not great, but we lived together. And like, again, I was making 16 bucks an hour. So like, I didn't like stay with him because I couldn't, but you know, it certainly- it was in the pro column. Yeah, absolutely. And I needed something that was just for me. I needed something that was an outlet. I needed something that reminded me of who I was and what I was capable of instead of just like the never ending slog of like, how am I going to get out from underneath this debt? My Oh my God, my commute is so long. Oh my God, I hate my boss. This job is so hard. Yeah, those are pretty miserable ways to spend your day. It started as a creative outlet that I've been self-employed now for nine years and it has become a business that supports me very comfortably, which is, I'm super fortunate, but it was basically born of like, I don't want to say desperation. (laughs) It came from like, oh my God, I just need something that's my own. That's going to make me feel good when most things don't. Yeah. Did it take you a while to settle in on the types of things you wanted to talk about? Or did that come pretty naturally at first? Yes. And you started as much more of a lifestyle blog than the content that I create now. There was a certain sort of blog that I wanted to read that at the time didn't exist. I wanted something that touched on lots of topics, travel, interior design, friendships, relationships, life advice, money, politics. I wanted to read something that sort of towed the line between being like smart, you know, and like talking about this is the book I'm reading. This is how I feel about this politician. Like this is my idea about this like cultural norm that I'm rejecting. And then also that was like, look at these cute shoes and here's a good recipe. And I couldn't find anything like that to the best of my abilities, trying to create, I mean, debatable whether I succeeded. I just created what I wanted to see on the internet. And it has transformed into what it is now. And I'm really proud of all the work that I put into it. Yeah. Now you talk a lot about happiness. Is that something that comes naturally to you? Or is that something that you kind of have to work at? I would say I'm very fortunate to my brain chemistry is such my upbringing is such that I am not somebody who can say that I've ever I've certainly had like times where I'm like, well, this sucks. I'm making $16 an hour and I have $50,000 worth of credit of school debt. Like that sucks. It would be disingenuous to say that like I struggled with depression. It was more like this sucks and I'm frustrated by it. My disposition is generally, I would say, happy slash pragmatic. I very much self-soothe by taking action. It's not to say I'm not a complete Pollyanna, but I certainly have struggled my struggles in life, but thus far mental health has not been one of them. Yay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's not the same that it's never no. happened. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I know you have a basic list of kind of every day I need to do this. My guess is that kind of goes, helps lend into that emotional wellness 
happiness, what have you. Are you open to sharing that with us? I'm a total all about habits. They are the framework that supports our life and our health, mental and physical. So I have like a pretty involved morning routine and a pretty involved evening routine. And these are things that I've been doing for a really long time. So it's all on autopilot. Like my brain's not even on when I'm doing this. I'm not like, oh, here I go. It's a struggle. It just happens. I get up, I use dawn simulator alarm clock and I wake up to like the sound of fake birds and like a fake dawn, which is much nicer than like an alarm. I get up around like 6.30. I make my bed. I have a glass of warm lemon water. I have a bre- like a real breakfast that I eat like at the table with a placemat and a napkin. I make some coffee and then I sit on the sofa with my dog and I read a novel until I'm done with my coffee. Then I do physical therapy exercises and then I get dressed and I take the dog for like a 45 minute walk and I run the Roomba while I'm walking the dog. So I come home and the, and the house is clean and then I get dressed and then I start working. So that's usually around like nine. And then at night, I have an alarm that goes off at nine to stop using screens. And then I have my involved, you know, skincare routine. And then I usually do more physical therapy exercises or stretching. And then I read in bed until I fall asleep. What would you say to someone who's like, wow, that's great. But I kind of stink at building habits. I would say I get it. It's very rare that anyone is the exception to the rule. The reality of habit building is it has to do with your neural pathways in your brain. Everybody has neural pathways in their brain. (laughs) Like you're not the only person who doesn't have neural pathways in your brain. There's a lot more science behind it than the average sort of lay person knows. The listicles and like women's magazine articles that we've all read, they do not convey the correct information. They are not science backed. They're usually written by like somebody who's a good writer, but not somebody who has read scientific studies on this stuff. Actually takes an average of 65 days to build a habit. And that's just an average. Meanwhile, we've all read 21 days to a new habit. That's bullshit. That's not real. It sets you up to fail because it makes you think that you can like be a whole new person in 21 days. No. And again, 65 is an average. The studies say that it can actually take as much as 265, which nobody wants to hear. But I think it's important to know that. So then you're not, and also what I see all the time is people taking on 17 new habits at once. That doesn't work. And not just because it doesn't, but again, science-backed decision fatigue is real. There's something that psychologists call it ego depletion, but it basically means we have a limited amount of good decision-making we're, we're capable of engaging in in a given day. I think we've all had the experience where like the whole day is going really well. And then at 8 p.m. somehow we're like eating entire bag of pizza rolls while like scrolling on our phone and the TV's on. Pizza rolls are good. Yes. I, I mean, I love, I love a pizza roll, but a bowl of them, not the whole bag. But the reason that has usually happened is because we have spent our entire day making decisions, engaging in self-control, battling with temptation, putting other people's needs before our own. So we have like gone through all of our good decision-making juice. We've gone through all of our self-control. And so at 8 p.m., we don't have any left. And then we numb out and we self-soothe in ways that maybe are not super healthy. The other thing that I tell people all the time is that every decision is a need being trying to be met. When I am eating those pizza rolls, when I am scrolling and watching TV, there's a need that my body or my brain is trying to meet. 
generally speaking, a bag full of pizza rolls is not actually meeting that need, not actually meeting that need, but there is a need. My body and my brain is expressing a need. It's all about figuring out what is that need? What are you actually trying to accomplish when you are, are you trying to, you just want to turn your brain off? You've been isolated all day. And so you're trying to connect with people by watching your friend's Instagram stories. You want to comfort yourself and you have positive associations with pizza rolls because it makes you think of like college and like living with a bunch of friends. Every behavior is a need trying to be met. So if you can figure out what that need is, you can meet it in a way that is closer to what you want it to be. A little bit more productive than going face down in a bag of pizza rolls. Yeah. Do you have a recommended resource or resources that we could put in the show notes for people to learn more about kind of the layperson's introduction to how the brain actually works with this? Oof, God. In terms of for a layperson, I mean, it's very, it's incredibly dense, but the power of habit, it's a dense read with a lot of science, but it, it is incredibly helpful. Yeah, I've seen that one around. I think that's a very, fairly popular one. Have you been studying the brain for quite a while? Yeah, well, so I actually have my master's degree in applied linguistics, and that's when I started learning about all of this stuff, because we learned about one of my favorite classes, part of my master's was learning about socio and psycholinguistics, which is about like how you communicate your personality through word choice, how you talk about yourself and how it changes how you feel about yourself. And also neuroplasticity, which is like how capable your brain is of changing. A lot of people think this is who I am. This is what I do. I can't change. I'm old. You can't teach a dog new tricks. And obviously it's much easier to change when you're six years old, but you can dig new neural pathways if you want to, regardless of your age. It takes work and you have to really do it on purpose, but it is absolutely possible. I'm still working on because for my adult life up until I was about 45, it was all the negative. And so my brain searched out the negative, right? It tried to find the negative and everything. I still, it's a continual work. I don't think that it'll ever fully be done, but it's so much better than it was. And if I'm going to expend the energy, I'd rather have it be on something that's far more productive and feels good. So switching gears a little bit, I know that you have a fairly unique personality type. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. Yeah. As sort of a backstory, I spent most of my life up until a few years ago. And I just want to be clear, like this was all internal. These were not things that I verbalized, but I spent the vast majority of my adult life. One of the main thought processes I had was generally like, why can't anybody get their shit together? Why am I the only person who's on time who has the assignment completed? Why am I the only person who showed up to the birthday party at the right time with the appropriate gift? Why am I the only person who like read the directions? Just generally, and again, again, this was all internal. These were, I didn't think out loud, but just generally kind of, this is the solution. Why don't you just do it? Why are you getting in your own way? Why are you making it more complicated than it needs to be? That was frustrating for my brain. And I'm sure on some level, people in my life like realized that I thought this, I'm sure. You probably weren't fully hiding it. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't like a complete mystery. And also when somebody is always the person who's there first with whatever, with the prepared stuff, and pretty people can figure out like, oh, Sarah's always here on time and she always has the thing. She probably like has some feelings about us always being late. 
it's not a fun way to live in between your ears and it's not a very compassionate way to like navigate humanity. And a few years ago, I took the Myers-Briggs test and I am an INTJ, which is literally 2% of, of the female population. That really cleared things up a lot. It made me have compassion for my little brain. Like, no wonder you're so frustrated all the time. You literally don't think like 98% of what you're interacting with. And it also just made me have a lot more compassion for other people. What was clear to me was literally not clear to them. It is very obvious to me that the next steps to be taken are X, Y, and Z. And if you don't want this to happen, then don't do that. Why would you do that? made me have a lot more compassion for other people. It made me, I think, a better teacher and a better coach and a better writer because I could sort of see the problems that people were going to have. I could think like, here's a suggestion that I'm going to offer to people. And now I understand, here's what I think you should do. Here are the reasons that these other personality types are not going to be able to take action on this. So I want to preemptively acknowledge you're going to make this excuse. I know that you're going to be afraid to try this. I know that you're going to be defensive about it. So I can write or teach or coach in a way that will sort of take all that into consideration. Yeah. Imagine if each of us would take a test like that, look at it as input, right? It's not the full picture of who you are as a person, but it's an input, a fairly large input and figure out new ways of being in the world speaking to their strengths. I'm going to get corporate soaring to your strengths and minimizing your weaknesses. <laughs> My daughter is an INTJ. She's turning 16 coming up here. And she has got some strong judgy McJudger pants. And she knows it. She knows it. But she is the kindest, most compassionate, most loving, most sarcastic, most judgy person I've ever met. Yeah. And I think the thing that can be a little bit because generally speaking, INTJs are very, like, they're very organized. They do well within structure. So they do well at school. They advance well in corporate settings and whatnot. It reinforces their belief that they know that what they're doing is right. So they're already judgy and then they're getting good grades and then they're getting promoted and they don't have trouble sticking to habit and they're healthy and they're probably pretty good with money. And so it just reinforces their belief that they're right and that everything, everybody should do things their way, which is not great for anyone. It's not great to believe that you're right all the time because nobody is. And it's also not, nobody wants to be around that person. Knowing what you know today, what would you tell younger Sarah who was maybe struggling with this? I would say trying to have compassion for other people's, the way they navigate things. It's not like I have completely solved this. It's still something that I have to talk myself through. But I would say just trying to understand that like not everybody, and also the thing is like, this is literally the software that came installed. It's not like I did something to make my brain work this way. I think just understanding that and trying to be more compassionate or patient or just like more open to different sorts of input and understanding that people who navigate life in a different way and think in a different way probably have lots of awesome ideas that would never occur to me. And if I can get out of my head enough and be patient enough, like I can really learn a lot from somebody who is more of a P or more of an E. Yeah, I'm an INFP. 
I'm trying to remember what the P stands for though. Perceiving in it very much, very much fits me. Tell us a good story about Sarah. I will tell you a story about, I love Richard Simmons without irony. I think he's amazing. I think he's kind and funny. He's a hundred percent who he is all the time. He's helped, you know, millions of people. And he's, I just think he's great. Several years ago, probably maybe like nine years ago, I found out that he had a gym in LA called Slimmons in Beverly Hills that he's had for, you know, 30, 40 years. And you could pay $12 and work out with him, do a workout class with him. And I was in LA. I was in LA for I think two weeks. So I like got my ticket and I like drove to Beverly Hills to sort of set the scene of this. I had, I had gone through like a really bad breakup prior to this, right before I went to LA. And then I, you know, I sat in traffic for like two hours getting to Beverly Hills. So like my emotions were like pretty, just right up there, you know? And so then I stand in line with some friends of mine and we like get into his gym and everybody's like stretching and, and whatnot. And the door opens and there's Richard. He's dressed exactly the way he's like absolutely custom made little white short shorts, a tank top that has like those mesh inserts the way like a figure and then pantyhose. And then like the big puffy scrunch socks, white shoes, fancy sunglasses that look like snowflakes. He goes around the gym and he's saying hello to everybody. And I am totally a like, don't meet your heroes person. So I'm like, I don't like, I'm not interested in having this interaction. But it's like weirder to leave at this point. But I've like walked past him to go out. So I'm just like, okay, just, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be fine. And at this point I was wearing like a flower tank top and some capris and my Adidas and my hair was longer and it was in two braids. And he like, you know, says hi to everybody. He comes to me and he shakes my hand. He kind of pulls me to the side, puts his hair on my braid. And he's like, you know what I like about you? And I was like, what? (laughs) He was like, your friends are family. Your friends and family are what's important to you. You're not a superficial person. I was like, okay. And I'm like, really start like tearing up and so anyway we have the workout class it's amazing we're doing the can can high kick dance circle he pulls my friend and I into the dance circle and afterwards he says you know like if you want a picture with me get in line we can get pictures so I'm standing in line to get a picture with him and he says to me I'm sorry if I was too sassy earlier and I said oh my god you were not too sassy you were perfect and he asked me what I did and I said I'm a blogger and he said are you gonna blog about this and I said yeah absolutely we took pictures together, but it took me probably like a year to write about it because it was like a really personal. So anyway, I finally wrote about it and then I tagged him on Twitter and he replied with a heart. And I wanted to make it my like Facebook header. And <laughs> so that was amazing. And when I was online, I'm married now, but when I was online dating, I think it was on, on OkCupid. There's like section that says like, tell me something nobody knows. And I said, uh, Richard Simmons once like pulled me into the middle of an dance circle. I viewed that as a litmus test. If that dissuades you from asking me out, like, great. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Are you familiar with Matthew Fox? He was Jack on Lost in Party of Five. He and I shared a moment in the Wyoming, Jackson, Wyoming airport. We locked eyes and kind of held eyes for a moment. <laughs> I mean, my husband was right there with me. And I, I think he was fanboying over him a little bit too. <laughs> I'm like, look at me being all cool. I'm not even going up to talk to him or ask for his autograph. I'm just playing it cool. <laughs> We're just going to have eye sex. <laughs> so, and it was good. 
<laughs> That's probably my my nearest celebrity run-in. With that, what advice would you like to leave the listeners with? Well, the advice that I share, particularly with students in my Bank Boost course, but just with people all the time, is that your success correlates directly to how uncomfortable you're willing to be. And when I say success, I'm not just talking about like, make a lot of money. I'm also talking about, are you willing to ask out that cute person who you think is out of your league? Are you willing to ask the bank for a loan on to get the house that you want? Are you willing, nobody's available to help you test drive cars. Are you willing to go do that by yourself? Are you willing to pitch articles to that website that you think is like too cool for you? Because that's where shit happens. And if you are absolutely unwilling to ever be uncomfortable, it's going to be pretty hard to get what you want. I love that. Well, like I said, we'll have all the information in your show notes. And I I just encourage people listening in to get on your email list. It's full of practical and inspirational advice. Same thing with your Facebook group. And I'm going to end with the last question, which our friend Alex Pronzen, I've heard her ask, if we really knew Sarah, what would we know? Thank you, Alex. <laughs> this is probably not a surprise to anybody, but I'm like deeply normal. Deeply, deeply normal. If you've ever looked at my Instagram photos of like some cool place I've traveled, you don't need to be impressed. Like (laughs) I'm like the most normal person that you would ever meet. Yeah. You're very down to earth. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've met you once in person and, and then through this, you just, you seem very down to earth. And I'm I'm absolutely exactly the same as everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Are you wearing pants through COVID? I actually usually wear jeans. I firmly believe in enclosed cognition, which is like a science-backed theory that how you dress affects how you feel. But as we did discuss before, I have been wearing yoga pants for the last few days. But next Monday, we're, we're back on track, back in game. Well, I am heading to the grocery store after this and I'm putting on jeans so that I make sure they fit. <laughs> so that I can course correct if necessary. <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. And as always, you can find more information at goingtherewithjen.com, including how to sign up for an introductory coaching session and get in on my list of favorite, really hard questions for when you're ready to look in the mirror and face your shit. I'll be back again next week. And in the meantime, remember that healing is possible and sharing our stories helps others feel less alone. Until then.